All right, my friends. So before we dive into Galatians chapter four, I have a question that I want you to think long and hard about. Here's the question. How many spiritual advisors or spiritual influencers, whether they be a, a spiritual mentor or a pastor or a shepherd of some sort, whatever it is, how many do you have in your life who help you grow spiritually, who look after your soul, who take care of you spiritually, who challenge you, advise you? How many do you have? You see, as we look at Galatians chapter four, we're going to be seeing a very personal side of Paul. We're going to see how much you guys, not only that he knew regarding the gospel, but how he lived it out with such great care, sensitivity, and compassion. And may that be a reminder to all of us that this is the kind of leader or leaders we need to have in our own lives. So turn to Galatians chapter four and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are blessed that you are standing strong in your faith. As always, it is such an honor to be with you guys as we open up God's word and we learn it together, that we grow in our faith together. And it's amazing every time I come to studio and, and sit here and record and pray and go through scripture that we have this opportunity to do this together. Now, I know many of you out there, I will never meet. And that's unfortunate. It's kind of sad, but we'll, hey, we'll be with each other someday in heaven. And that's just a, a great blessing. I want you guys to know that I treasure in my heart every single time I record these episodes going verse by verse through the Bible. So what a privilege it is. And I continue to pray as I did, as I got started, that God would bless you guys. So let's just pray for that right now. Lord, I pray for the many Stand Strong supporters that are out there, the many listeners who tune into this podcast. And I thank you for even new ones listening to this episode right now. We pray as we get into your word that you would speak to us, Lord, that your word would reign true in our lives and would not compromise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, that just is a good reminder also to let you guys know if you do have a prayer request, if you have a question regarding what we're learning in Galatians, or you've watched a video, you can go to my YouTube channel, Jason P, as in Philip, Jason P Jimenez, and search me on YouTube, see videos that I provide there. You can also go to standstrongministries.org, click on podcasts, all the information's there, including my new podcast, Challenging Conversations, that I'm doing with Christian Post. It's on the platform Edify, so you can get that as well. Uh, you can click on videos, and you can check out all the latest videos that I do that we put on the website as well. And there's just all kinds of things on culture, apologetics, et cetera. But whether you're reading an article or a video or listening to this podcast right now, and you actually have a question and you say, man, I'd really want to get Jay's input. Man, I'd love to hear from you. And, and please don't be timid. A lot of times when I'm out there speaking, I'll have somebody say, hey, I listen to your podcast and you know, I, I had this question and I just didn't want to bother you with it, and, but I knew you were going to be speaking at this thing. I mean, that's awesome too. But guys, I mean, I love hearing from you guys. And even if you want to drop a note and say, hey, Jason, I'm praying for you and you want to send me a prayer, you can do so by sending it to info at standstrongministries.org. 
So with that being said, we are now podcast 175, and we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 20 in Galatians 4. And the title for this particular one is An Apostle's Personal Plea. So what we're going to be doing is looking at verses 8 through 11. We're going to be seeing an appeal that Paul is making. Again, this is an ongoing argument, if you will, that we've been looking at, that Paul's been making why he wrote the letter in the first place. And the whole theme in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 31 is adopted into God's kingdom. So that's the main emphasis that Paul's laying out for the Galatians is saying, listen, you guys, Christ has adopted you guys into his kingship. You guys have inheritance from him. You have the free gift of salvation that Christ paid on the cross and rose again. Why would you want to turn to the law that holds you in bondage? Remember, so he's been talking about that. And then he says in verse five that it was Christ who redeemed us, right? That word there was to purchase, to deliver, to buy us back. So why would you want to go back? It's like, remember the Hebrews coming out of slavery with, in Egypt and wanting to return. Remember, they wanted to return because they, they're like, well, at least we got fed there. At least there was structure. Now we don't know what we're going to get. And then the whole thing with manna, you know, in Numbers chapter 11, when God's like, you want some food? Here's some food. And it was coming out of their nostrils. I mean, it was insane. But sometimes we could get so selfish, we could become so complacent. And, and this is what's happening with the Galatians to some degree. And this is what, again, I keep going back, you guys, and it's so amazing, even in my opening, about spiritual leadership, people that God places in our life who shepherd us. Paul does such a, an amazing job. And again, it's not like we rate him and say, oh, I give him an A plus for being such a great pastor, you know, a pastoral heart here in Galatians, because that wasn't his intent. He wasn't trying to show off and it wasn't like he was under duress or he's trying to prove himself. You know, he's trying to come to his own and say, I'm worthy. Look at how amazing I am compared to the other disciples who are now apostles that actually walked and talked and lived with Jesus. And of course, you remember he was one that was born out of due time, he says. That's not the case at all. This is just Paul being Paul, who's filled with the Holy Spirit as you and I are as Christians and doing what God has called him to do. And he does it in such a brilliant way, in an amazing way, because not only does he hold fast to God's truth, but he does it in love. The way that he argues, you know, has a conversation, has a concern for the Galatians is, 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 is a great testimony of what we as Christians need to do today. So again, going back to now this particular uh, message is a, we're going to see a, an apostle that is Paul's personal plea. See, oftentimes, and this is why I want to, you know, distinguish between the two. You can have, and again, I encounter these people all the time in, in my work, my line of work, traveling and doing different venues. You get people who are far better, uh, clearly, than I am in their, in their delivery um, or people who have PhDs and are just, you know, some of the best in their field and can just rattle off so many facts and so much information um, that I could never do, right? And, and that's all well and good. But a lot of times you get this, and this is good, what we need people who are, who are professionals in their business, but far too many people in the Christian world in terms of leadership and um, advocacy and disseminating Christian content in the publishing world or, or the ones who are uh, putting together conference platforms, venues. We focus so much on the professional, 
you know, online, you know, music, performance, that it's very in, in, impersonal rather than personal. And a lot of times, you guys, to be honest, and you know me on the podcast, you know, to be straight with you, it comes from my heart. And again, taking, you know, a page here, literally a letter from Paul and trying to follow his example. But to be honest, what, 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 I, what I tend to struggle with pastorally is how little um, in these venues I see people who really care for the people they're speaking to. Uh, that's, that's the truth. Um, that may sound to be a harsh judgment, um, but I know these people. Many of them I've been around for many years, and they get paid. They sell their books. And I've even seen people afterwards that I'm hanging out with. And again, they're very friendly. We're buddies. But you'll have a, a fan or whatever you want to call them. Um, I don't like referring to them as fans. They, these are brothers and sisters in Christ, but they treat them like fans. You know, they sign their autograph, take a picture with them, whatever, and they have a question. They're all very professional. They do their thing and they just move on. And Paul could have easily have done that to the Galatians um, who are stirring up trouble and causing, you know, some, some discomfort, if you will, in his apostleship. But he doesn't. He pleads with them. He opens his heart to them. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Paul did. And that's what we should do. And so that's why as we, dump, we jump into this, I, I really want you guys, one, yes, think about how you can be more like that in your life to other people in Christian community. But specifically because we're seeing Paul, who is the, the leader over these people in, in a way, not their direct pastor, obviously, week in, week out. Uh, but who is investing in them in raising up leadership to shepherd them. I want you to, to see how many, okay? And again, this is not a numbers game. It's not saying, well, I have eight of them. You know, that, I'm so well-blessed. No, I'm saying if you have at least two or three, okay? That's a good number. Two or three shepherds like Paul here that are looking after you and who, who, who can go not just on a professional level, who can bring it intellectually, uh, theologically, but on a personal level, they're very relatable. They care for you. They, they'll spend the time that you need. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what I'm saying. And, and, and again, I, I know even in, in those venues, I have a limited time. Like you got 42 minutes to speak, you know, and then you're supposed to be over here by the table to sell books. And, you know, and a lot of times you guys, it gets just very gimmicky. Okay. To be honest. And so that's why I love when you actually work with people who who have venues like that, but there's so much about, hey, pour into the people as much as you can. And, to, and you know, and it's really not a directive that's, that, that I follow um, because, you know, they're telling me to do this because they're paying me. No, that's my, that should be our heart, okay? That should be our heart. So as I read through this, I just, I found love with Paul Moore saying, yes, like, you know, Get into a confrontational, have a challenging conversation with the Galatians, but do it in a way where they're going to hear you because of your tone, because they know you love them. They know you're concerned, right? Rather than them coming to him with questions, he's going to them saying, I'm concerned for you, right? See the difference? So let's put that in perspective in our lives and see what we can learn, all right? So the first thing we're going to do as we go through verses 8 through 20, we're going to tackle the first part here, the, an appeal to return 
or, or Paul is, is appealing to them not to return to the law. And then again, we're going to see in verses 12 through 16, a, a reminder of their relationship. And this is so important. And that's what we have to do sometimes, you guys, is people say, I'm actually working through something right now with, with, with a few people. And, and this just really hit me. Actually, before I even uh, read through it and studied it, as I was praying, and then this is where God led me, that, that, that sometimes to reconcile some differences, or if there's a gap or a wedge between you and a, and a group or a particular person, family, friend, or foe, we sometimes have to just remind that person what they mean to us, okay? And sometimes you don't have to get into particulars about what went wrong, why the relationship went south, or yeah, if you need to talk about how they hurt you or you need to apologize by your behavior, great, do that, right? God will honor that. But as you do that, it's important that we remind that individual of the kind of relationship that you have with them. And that gives you credibility to then speak to them, to correct them, if you will, right? And that's what Paul does. And then lastly, we're going to see in verses 17 through 20 is, and then you see this heartfelt plea. He just opens his heart. And I love that because it's not just Paul saying, hey, I'm here to fix you. He reminds them, and it's not like they forgot, but he lets them know that he hasn't forgot what they did for him. And that's what I'm talking about, you guys. As we look at ministry, the people who minister to you, it's not just they answer your questions. It's not just that they're your favorite speaker, you love their podcast. They are concerned for you and they actually tell you what you mean to them. Now, I realize like a lot of you guys out there who I don't know personally, um, that there's a limitation, right? Um, but if we were to know each other, that I want you to know that I would do my best to love you, to be there for you. And, and, and so we know that there's going to be barriers, whether it be geographical, in nature, whatever the case may be. Um, but so what we're just, we need to focus in on here is that Paul established a relationship with these Galatians and there are people who have established a relationship with you. And it's important that you let certain people know in your life what they mean to you, how they've helped you, how they helped you grow, to be vulnerable and to be humble about it and to be appreciative. And I love this because that's what Paul does. He doesn't just get on them and, and you guys are idiots for doing what you guys have done and, and thinking that the law is going to help you guys and blah, 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 blah. And you're following a false gospel, you know, and he's going to, I'm going to break fellowship with you guys. No, he opens his heart and he speaks to them with an open plea. And it's beautiful, you guys. And so let's dive into this and see how this plays out. So here's the first part. Here's an appeal that Paul's making now in verses 8 through 11 for them not to return to the law. He says in verse 8, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. And then verse 9, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. Am I afraid I, am, I have labored over you in vain? All right, so let's t 
take this first part under this, uh, this personal plea that Paul's making to the Galatians. Going back to verse 8 here, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by nature are not gods. In a very odd way of putting it, but in essence, this is Paul's third mention, okay? This is important, of him referring back to the former life that the Galatians had without Christ. So this is a very important tactic that Paul uses. Hey, let's go back. I mean, how many times have we done that in our own lives or somebody that you're maybe you're ministering to? Hey, what was life like without Christ? Remember how miserable and horrible that was? So when he's asking him, did, did not, did not, um, the, the phrase here, when you did not know God is a common way for him to describe the Gentiles. Okay. And the word here to know is the Greek word gnosko, which is used throughout the New Testament. And it literally just means to know intimately and on a personal level. So when you did not know, you, you didn't have a personal relationship with God. And then he says, by nature are not gods. So what he's saying is, you guys, you didn't know God personally. You're unsaved. You're, you are enslaved by sin. But you were being influenced by false deities. You were worshiping false deities before you came to Christ. And remember, this is something that Paul had preached uh, in, in Lystra. Remember when they thought that he was, you know, that he and um, Barnabas were Zeus and Hermas in Acts chapter 14, verses 11 through 13, and Paul was preaching the gospel to them. And they, in, na- in nature, they were worshiping other deities. And so they thought that they were just these deities in human flesh. If you go back to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20, Paul said there, I am, imply that what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons, end quote. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 20. So that's in essence what Paul's saying here is you do not have an intimate relationship with God. You were enslaved to sin and you're worshiping false gods, okay? So that was your life before Christ. Verse nine, but now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. So that's another interesting language that Paul puts in here, this term worthless elementary principles. So what Paul's doing here is, you know, one is he's, he is showing his astonishment uh, to the Galatians because they're turning away. And, and again, by the way, let's, let's be clear here. Let's don't lump all Galatians in the same category. There were some that had turned back to the law. There were some who claimed to be Christian who were not Christian. And we're going to see in Galatians chapter 5, many of the, the verb tense that Paul uses is there's a contemplation that's going on with certain other Galatians, meaning they hadn't fully turned over to Judaism or listened to the Judaizers or been circumcised, but they're contemplating it. They're wrestling through it. And so again, a big part of Paul's letter is to try to convince them not to fall prey to the false doctrine. So here, right now, Paul is just astonished at the Galatians. They're turning away from God and they're returning to bondage. Why would you do that? Why would you go back? Uh, and, and even if it's not exactly like it was before you came to Christ, why would you allow any form of bondage to come back into your life after you've been touched and healed by the power of Christ's forgiveness? And so here, the Galatians, um, you know, they would be met with the same oppression in Judaism. 
And it's, it's almost like, why would you guys let these people oppress you? Why would you guys go back and experience another form of paganism that you came out of? Now, it is possible when you do see this phrase, worthless elementary principles, in the Greek is stokikeo. And it, it, it carries the idea of elements of the ABCs in Greco-Roman era. And so a lot of people think that um, he's referring to um, signs of the zodiac, like astrology and other paganistic rituals that, again, they're, they're elementary principles. They're common. They're the quote-unquote ABCs, if you will, of the Greco-Roman era and their religion. Uh, we don't know exactly, but I guarantee that more or less, that's the kind of plan out of words that Paul's mentioning. Because then in verse 10, when he says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. So remember, prior to the Galatians converting to Christianity, not all of them, but, but a, 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 a big size, right? A large size. The Galatians, they worshiped the deities, right? And in worshiping the, the different deities, what they would do is they, they would observe certain days in the calendar as lucky or unlucky days. And so years later, when we have that phrase, count your lucky stars, that's where a lot of this stuff originates from. Now for the Jews, the law, remember, required people to observe special dates. And not just special dates, but also special rituals throughout the year. Remember, the Jewish people live through a specified calendar year of feasts, according to Leviticus chapter 23. Now the Bible does mention throughout about new moons. You see that in Numbers 28, verses 11 through 15, we see the mentioning of Passover in Exodus 12, verse 18. There's the Sabbath year in Leviticus 25, verse 4. There's also the Feast of First Fruits in Leviticus 23, verse 10. So Paul, what he's doing is he's, he's in, he insists that when you observe these religious holy days as a way to sanctify you, you're missing it. God, remember, made these holy days, these holy rituals that, that are used to honor him in true worship, but not to observe them to, in a way, draw closer to God. That misses the point completely. In Colossians 2, verses 16 through 19, Paul writes there, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by its sensuous minds and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God, end quote. So in essence, what Paul's saying in Colossians as he's saying here in Galatians Again, being consistent in him teaching the church in theology that was new to them. What disqualifies you is insisting that a form of religion, ritualism, whatever it is, is going to make you worthy before God. No, what, what nourishes us and brings us together is the finished work of Christ. And so Paul's saying in verse 11, this is where he's being vulnerable. I'm afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. So Paul is feeling um, that his efforts in trying to start these churches in Galatia, you know, right, was pointless if they're all just going to turn back to Judaism. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever looked back? I, I know pastorally when I've uh, attempted to do, and, I, and, and you know what, sometimes I failed. Sometimes it was just in the flesh and it was wrong. But, but God still can take the good of something, even with our false motives. We see that in Philippians chapter one. 
The gospel's never chained. But even when we're talking about us hearing God and being uh, in his spirit and walking in unison with the spirit and doing things selflessly and using our spiritual gifts to build up the body and people just, they don't care. Uh, that could be very defeating. And, and it can, and, and it has, to be honest, it's, it's caused many people to want to give up. And so Paul's being vulnerable with them saying, you guys, if you turn back to this paganism, this legalism, whatever you want to call it, whatever some of you guys are turning back to, but if it's not just solely Christ, what it, maybe what I did for you guys preached in the efforts I, I made in Galatians, maybe it was in vain, maybe it was worthless. He wasn't saying they're worthless. He wasn't even saying what God called them to do was worthless. What he's saying is perhaps the work I did wasn't effective enough. And see, that's the great thing about Paul too, you guys. He wasn't pointing blame. He was saying if, if this issue continues, and many of you guys turn uh, to uh, you know these Judaizers, I take responsibility for that. Maybe I just didn't prepare you enough. That's a good sign, you guys, of a teacher. So now we see in verses 12 through 16, he now reminds them of the relationship. Verse 12, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. For I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. Literally, he says, um, you know, you didn't commit an act of transgression. You, you didn't, you didn't uh, injure me. See, I love this because he's not attacking them. And this is something that Paul did throughout his missionary journey. Okay, he always found ways to build rapport with the people uh, in order for him to be an effective minister of the gospel. We see this in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. You know, it becomes all things for all people. And so here he says, I became as I am, for I also have become as you are. So this is important, you guys, because in the ancient Mediterranean world, it was customary for friends to share everything together. All right, they didn't withhold. We today, we do, okay? But not in the Mediterranean world. It, was very, it, was, it would be a direct insult if you withheld something from, you know, if you say, I'm not gonna share this with someone. So what Paul's doing here with the Galatians is he's speaking to them on a personal level. He's showing love and respect. And so he's pleading with them to follow him and not the Judaizers by saying, I also have become as you are, meaning I want to share in life with you what you're struggling with. I want to feel the same. And then he says, you did me no wrong. So when, remember, if you go back when he arrived in Galatia, at first the Jews, they're the ones that attempted to harm him at Acts chapter 14, verse 19, but it wasn't the Galatians. Matter of fact, if you look at Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 50, the Galatians were very kind to Paul. And so he's, he's reminding them of that. And, and, and the, again, as I said earlier, he, doesn't, he hasn't forgotten that. And so in verse 13, he says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Now, let me pause here before I jump to verse 14 and say this. Paul will describe in his later letters of the injury or persecution that he would undergo. Matter of fact, to the point in 2 Corinthians 12 where he will not... Uh, he will reference an individual that he says he knows who was caught up in the third heaven. We know that to be him, but he was so humble about it, he didn't want to say the person was him. That wasn't like he was lying. He just was not sharing certain facts because he didn't feel like um, he should have, okay? Because he was being humble about it. But 
even though we have details of what Paul endured spreading the gospel, what we don't see him doing often, really, this is really the only rare times we will see and read of Paul describing bodily ailments, meaning him going through certain medical conditions that were affecting him. He says in verse 14, and though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise, meaning you didn't reject me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Now, I love this, you guys, and this is something that I want to apply to my life and I pray you apply in your life. It's okay to mention some disability you might have. Like, for example, in my recent book, Challenging Conversations, you know, here I'm teaching people how to be critical thinkers and how to tactfully respond to a lot of controversial issues. Um, And in the opening, I mentioned I'm dyslexic. I have a learning disability. Okay, it's not my fault. It's not like I chose this disability in my life. Reading was was a nightmare growing up. I would stutter. Um, I, I'd get numbers and words just all mixed up. And again, this growing up in the 80s, the, the educational system didn't really guide me accordingly. It actually wasn't until uh, later into late high school. And again, by the way, I got great grades. I mean, I was an honor student, you know, but I had to work extremely hard. And what the average student took, you know, maybe an hour to do homework or something. Maybe it taken me an hour and a half to two or longer, depending on the subject. But thank God I had a determination to do well. But it wasn't really until after high school that I developed, um, or I, I, I should say, uh, I fell upon this photo reading system. And it just helped me immensely to kind of really work with my brain and how my brain processes information. Um, and so photo reading became this huge thing that I still use to this very day. So now I say that because a lot of people think they would never guess I have a disability. Um, but when I tell them I have a disability, one, one reason is to let people know that, look, it's by the grace of God, I am who I am. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten, and the same is you with you. We can all have strengths, but with our strengths come weaknesses. And oftentimes in the Christian community, we just talk about our strengths why you should listen to us, why I'm right, why you're wrong. I got this degree, you don't. I've written this many books, you haven't. And we just go down the line and just how amazing I am, how awesome I am, and on and on and on and we go. I got my social media platform and I got this many followers and blah, 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 blah. And I love this with Paul because he's saying, hey, look, you guys, I have these disabilities. I've had these medical conditions. And I realized, notice he says, they were a trial to you, meaning they were difficult for you guys to work with. And for whatever reason, we don't know all, 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 all the medical conditions he had. And we can only speculate as I'm going to look at in the next verse that we'll talk about. But I love what Paul says. He says, but you guys didn't make fun of me. You didn't reject me because of it. So he's saying, look, I, I realized that I've caused you problems as well. It's not just you causing me problems. See, that's him building rapport, okay? As he's reminding them, hey, we have this relationship. You know, we, we have a history here together. So in verse 15, he says, what then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you, testify to you that if possible, catch this, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. So again, we don't know exactly what Paul's ailments were. We don't. We can speculate. Now, some think that Paul contracted malaria 
while ministering into the lowlands of Pamphylia. Uh, There are other commentaries out there who have suggested that Paul had epilepsy. We don't know. Now, what we can look at is the term that he uses here for illness. It literally just means weakness. And so this can infer injuries or sicknesses that Paul suffered from during his first missionary journey. If you go back to Acts chapter 13, all the way to chapter 14, verse 23. Now, as I mentioned uh, about 2 Corinthians 12, about Paul mentioning somebody who was caught up in the third heaven, we do know in Lystra, Paul was dragged out of the city and he was stoned by the crowds in Acts 14, verse 19. Now, I take that incident and refer that to 2 Corinthians 12, again, a few years removed where Paul was actually uh, determined dead. Okay, you guys, if you look at the stoning back then, it wasn't them just passing or throwing rocks at a person. They would throw them off a cliff and get a, 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 a big rock and roll it off the cliff to land on the body. Okay, so they made sure that the blows on this person and being stoned was not to just bruise them, give them a bloody nose or a concussion. It's to kill them. And we know in Acts 14, there was a mob of people who did that, who dragged Tim out. I believe he was pronounced dead at that point in time, which he was therefore caught up into the third heaven. So we do know that he experienced uh, a lot of persecution that affected his body. Now this phrase, and though my condition was on trial to you, again, going back to this, the Galatians would have Uh, you know, they would have looked at Paul's bodily ailments as a punishment from God. So not only was it probably difficult to see him in the condition that he was in, we know that he was not a very vibrant speaker, um, that he was probably um, not easy to look at, if you will. In some cases, just with other commentaries through the years, I just recently read not too long ago, a book just by a historian that was just looking at the life of Paul. And of course, he went extensively looking at what features, if you will, that Paul would have looked like with all the uh, dismembering, you know, uh, in dismantling of his body, the bruising and the, and the persecution and the, the shipwrecks and going without food and maybe having malaria and, uh, and being, you know, deformed in body because of the stoning that we, that we mentioned here in Acts 14, 19, and almost painting the picture that Paul is like the, the hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. So he probably looked, you guys, uh, a bit deformed. All right. So that was probably difficult for some people like thinking this is the mighty apostle Paul. Right. And so getting a lot of flack for that, but also when people had bodily ailments in that culture at that time, as I mentioned earlier in the Mediterranean era, you shared things with each other. You didn't withhold. Okay. So it was an insult. Um, if you want to make an enemy with, you know, withdraw your, your hospitality. Okay. You'd make an immediate enemy. Uh, but also in that Mediterranean culture, if you had an infirmity, if you had a bodily ailment, it was, it was though the gods had punished you. So by looking at Paul, people would think, man, the gods have not been good to this man because of bad things he's done. So whatever the case, the point is, is even despite his infirmities, the amazing thing is, is that the Galatians accepted Paul and they received his message of grace. So much so, he says, you receive me as an angel of God. That was a sign of respect and hospitality. So again, that's the Mediterranean culture is they were great guests, if you will, or he was a great guest to their hospitality. And this phrase, you would have gouged out your eyes. Here, I do think that Paul reveals 
uh, a specific infirmity that he clearly had a vision problem. And he actually uses a bit of hyperbolic language, if you will, to stress the great lengths the Galatians went to in order to try to heal him. So again, that's another great insight here is that by the language he uses, they were probably finding ways, whether it be through their medical doctors, uh, paying for treatments, whatever, whatever they had at that time, they try to treat Paul by trying to heal him. Now, another reference we have of his poor eyesight is in verse uh, 11 of chapter 6, where he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now, the New King James New Spirit-Filled Life Bible, and say that five times fast, New King James New Spirit-Filled Life Bible, uh, says this, Because reject in the Greek word is ekpteo, it means to spit out. Some commentaries detect a reference to the custom of spinning into the direction of an epileptic to avert the influence of the evil spirit and control of him. For this reason, they believe that Paul's ailment was epilepsy. Others believe that Paul suffered from um, apothemia, ap- if I'm saying that correctly, end quote. So again, it, 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 let's put this in context. Because of his infirmities that you can see physically, his appearance, you probably, in that culture at that time, people would spit at him because they thought there was an evil spirit that made him that way to punish him for whatever reason. And that gives you a picture, you guys, of what Paul himself had to go through personally. You think about today, where we're at, of course, looks is everything. And you have a lot of young people who uh, go on social media and they look at how people look and what they're doing and who they're hanging out with. And immediately they feel less of themselves by just doing that. Before they were fine, but the moment, again, the fear of, of missing out or I'm not as skinny as that person or that person's always at the gym and look at how awesome they look and look at how fat I look or or big and large or ugly, like look at them wearing makeup. If I could wear makeup like that or if I could dress like that, if I had money to be like that, I would. And and on, on, and on, and on. Imagine Paul in that culture. You know, he wasn't just ugly looking, but in that culture, they would spit at him uh, to avert the influence of evil spirits. And yet, that's not how the Galatians treated him. And so he says in verse 16, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? So here, this is the hard thing is to, to see a loved one or a group of people, right, uh, turn from Paul turn from you as, as a teacher. And I've had that, you guys. I've led people and things are great and I felt like I, count, I can count on these people that were making progress and then, you know, you get that call or, hey, we need to talk or you did me wrong and out of nowhere, right, they'll say uh, something you did or accuse you of something or they're just, that's it, they break fellowship and you never hear from them again. And so this, was ha- this is starting to happen as they're embracing more of the lies of the Judaizers. And so Paul, he calls him out uh, for abandoning not only him, but mainly the gospel by turning to a lie and turning from him. And you guys, a lot of times that you, we got to keep that in perspective as we look at the last few verses here. When it comes to these spiritual advisors in our life, if people are speaking the truth, if they're holding fast to the truth and you don't want to be around them, it's because you're allowing lies or a form of deception to influence you. And you got to keep, keep that in mind. So here's the last thing now is now let's see this heartfelt plea that Paul makes in verses 17 through 20. He says, they, that's reference to the Judaizers, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may 
make much of them. Paul, so what Paul's doing here now is he's exposing this false motives of the Judaizers. So they didn't really care for the Galatians the way that Paul did. And the Judaizers, they were using the Galatians for their own deification, which explains why the Judaizers, they attempt to separate the Galatians from Paul so that he wouldn't have any influence over them. So that this is a huge thing, you guys, because oftentimes... I, I don't see a lot of American leaders in evangelical churches today. When families come, they don't really make an effort to get to know them, and then they move on, and they don't follow up with them. You hear all the time about people say, oh, you know, he's, he teaches the Bible, uh, he's a great leader, uh, but he's really hard to read. It's, he's very difficult to get to know. Recently, one of my travels, I was having lunch with one of the pastors after speaking at his church, and I just said, you know, how do you, in, how do you love your staff. That was the first thing I said. When you first came in, how did you just start loving them? And he was saying, well, the guy that that was my predecessor, he didn't he didn't spend much time with them at all. He says, so even when I was just cracking jokes with them, they're like, they didn't know how to respond because they had been conditioned that, you know, don't don't interrupt him. You know, you know, they they got other things to do. And he's like, and so I kind of had to he said, even though it was simple, just like coming into their office and saying, hey, how can I pray for you? Um, he says, but just being present was a way to love my staff and then teach them how to do that to the congregation. That's so important. But it's hard now when you have people who are turning them away from you. You know, do you go after them? And so this is so important, you guys, because there's a separation going on between Paul now because there's like almost a breakup happening because it's almost like the Galatians are breaking up with Paul, right? And they're going to the Judaizers or going to a different relationship or they're cheating on Paul. And so Paul was taking this very personally, not, not because of his ego, but hurt because they were abandoning the gospel. And then it was also hurting him because he loved these people. So if you're a leader out there, you're a pastor out there, particularly, you have to, at times, you guys, let your congregation, let your sheep know that that you, you wouldn't be the man you are today without them, that you need their support, you need their love. And, and when you don't see them, especially during COVID, and I was talking to a lot of pastors, I was saying, you know, do you miss your congregation? Do you miss your people that you're not seeing regularly? And that was always a great test to, to see the heart of a true pastor is if they were in tears, literally, and many of them were, thank God, uh, saying, I miss seeing people like, and they'd mention their names. And then the next question is, is like, well, what have you done to, to tell them that, right? Um, and that's important. That's what Paul's doing here. Because in verse 18, he says, it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you. So Paul here, what he does is he acknowledges that his zeal for the Galatians is not misplaced. So unlike the Judaizers, Paul was genuinely showing that he loved the Galatians. And he was determined, you guys, even though they were not returning his calls, if you will, right? Even though they were ignoring him, he was determined to help them grow in their faith in Christ. And at this point in time, he was trying to prevent them from falling down or going down, I should say, the path of false doctrine. And so what he does here in verse 19 is he refers to them as my little children. It's the Greek word technia, means you born ones, from whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So this is the only time that Paul uses this intimate phrase by referring to them as my little children. See, that goes back to his heart, his shepherd's heart. 
He hasn't forgotten what they've done for him. He admits his own errors. He's taken responsibility. He's being vulnerable with them. He's saying, you guys are not just my friends. You're, you're not just these acquaintances that I know. You're not just a church that I helped get started. You guys are like my little children. So this is a sign of Paul's fatherly affection for the Galatians. And let me just say this, you guys, and I'm saying this as I have gotten older in ministry and raising my own four children, my oldest now being an adult, is you do look back and say, you know what, a sign of maturity, a sign of a strong leader um, it's not that they uh, can rattle off facts all day long and they're well-read. That may be a part of it. But a true sign is the maturity of a shepherd who shows fatherly affection, okay? And that is sorely lacking, by the way, in leadership in the church today. And so when Paul says, I am again in anguish of childbirth, this is an expression of the inner pain. So again, this is why this is so important, you guys. And and rarely do we see this actually play out in the gospel, or excuse me, in the, in the epistles that Paul wrote. Um, and we clearly don't see this among a lot of our leaders today, is they, he's unveiling an inner pain that he's experiencing. And so Paul's saying, hey guys, I've been extremely disappointed. I'm heartbroken by what you guys are doing right now. That you guys are thinking, some of you have, and some of you are still thinking about turning back to ritualism and legalism. I mean, this is a stark contrast into how the Judaizers remember felt about the Galatians. They didn't care. It's a quota for them. It's a numbers game for them. And so this phrase, Christ has formed in you. So again, unlike the Judaizers, Paul wanted to help the Galatians become more like Christ. And you guys, that's the last thing that I want to share with you. When you're looking at these spiritual leaders in your life, you guys, it is all about them. One, saying, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse one, imitate me for imitate Christ that ultimately they care about you so much that they want you to be more like Christ. That's it. That's it. That's what it boils down to. Christ is formed in you. That's why we do this podcast for you guys. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I, a lot of you guys, I'll never be. You'll never meet me, but we'll meet in heaven someday if, we know, if you know Christ as Lord and Savior. And I look forward to that day. But the, the people that God has put in our lives, we need to love and care for them the way that Paul was loving and caring for the Galatians. And so much so to where our focus is to say, how am I helping this person and this relationship that I have with them to be more like Christ? So especially if you have a spiritual authority, if God has put people under you, your responsibility is to help them see Christ being formed in them. And so sometimes when they're falling prey to something, like right now with wokeness and and progressive Christianity, a lot of stuff I'm dealing with right now in the ministry today that I wasn't dealing with three, five years ago. And I'm addressing it. Sometimes I may not want to, but I'm addressing it because there are people out there like you guys that I love. And if I love you, then I'm, I'm going to say, hey, this is a danger. And speak that truth in love. And so here in verse 20, in, in, conc in conclusion, Paul says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone. For I am perplexed. That literally means in the Greek, you guys, I'm at my wit's end about you. Now, it's not clear um, as to why Paul was unable to go back to Galatia. We don't know, okay? Um, but not being physically present with the Galatians, I'm sure, was very hard for Paul. Just like I'm even as I'm talking right now with you guys on a personal level, it's hard to be speaking into a microphone looking at a screen uh, and just, and what I try to do sometimes, at least some people that I know personally that, that listen to this podcast, I just think about you guys and think about the countless other people 
And so it's hard not to be there. Could you imagine what Paul was feeling right now? Not being with them and wanting to change his tone, he says, uh, because it's difficult to communicate to people uh, through a text, right? Through an email, through a written letter. You know, even sometimes when we do these Zoom things or we do FaceTime, not being present with someone's difficult. And lastly, this phrase he uses, I am perplexed. Here, Paul seems to convey that he has come to a point in his relationship with the Galatians that he doubted them after their defection from the Christian faith. And you guys, I think sometimes, and we can't abuse this, but I think at times um, we need to express that to people that we're having some difficulty with. Well, you can say like Paul says, I'm very perplexed, meaning uh, you guys, to be honest, I'm getting to a point where I want to believe that you've changed, but I really doubt whether or not you have because of the history that I have with you, because of the way that you're talking or the way that you're treating me or whatever the case may be. And this is him opening up his heart. Now, what we're going to do next podcast, we're going to be jumping into verses 21 through 31, where now Paul's going to be using scripture. He's going to be using the Torah to now make his case. But notice the importance of this at this point in time, you guys. He takes a lot of time to open up his heart to them, to plead with them. And so I pray, you guys, as we close, that you will do the same in the people around you in your sphere of influence. And please, if you started off with this podcast thinking, Jay, I don't really have people, because I hear this a lot, you guys, and it breaks my heart. It does break my heart. And when I go speak at Summit as a faculty member and we have these 16 to 25-year-olds come up to me afterwards, especially when I teach on the church, sometimes I'll do some sessions on the church and they'll come up to me afterwards and they'll say, you know, Pastor Jimenez or, you know, whatever. Uh, I say, hey, please, you know, call me Jason, whatever. And they'll say, I just, I wish I had a pastor like you. I, w- I wish I had somebody who was very caring. Um, and then the ones who say they do, they're so blessed because it's so important, you guys. So if you don't have a lot of people in your life, you're looking after you spiritually. Um, you got to figure out why that is. Maybe in part, it's due to you. You know, sadly, right now, with what we're seeing, is a lot of people are pulling away from church. And guys, I get it. Okay. And listen, man, I could write a book about how many people have wounded me and backstabbed me in the church. And if if that was my sole reason uh, alone um, to leave, I mean, gosh, you know. So if you if, if we all have our wounded stories, right, which is unfortunate, and that needs to stop. But it starts with us. And it starts by being like Paul here, you guys. Let's be vulnerable. Let, let's, let's pursue uh, people around us to make them more like Christ, okay? And so I do pray that if you're looking at your life right now and you're not seeing a lot of support in your life and you don't know why that is, start praying after listening to this podcast. Say, God, bring spiritual, wise, godly, mature people in my life who can help direct me spiritually. And I guarantee you guys, I promise you, God will answer that prayer. So thank you guys for listening. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.